You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome again. Welcome. I want to warmly welcome everyone who's worshiping with us online. Thank you so much for being here. We know you can be streaming any of that church service, so we're excited that you decided to be here with us and everyone who's worshiping with us for the first time. Um, we have my father in the house, Pastor Godma. Yes, 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 yes. And he's going to be joining me on stage. So you know how we do. If you've been with us at Life One for quite a bit, you know the last Sunday of every month. Well, in this case, it happens to be the first Sunday in the month of August. But we're wrapping up a teaching series we started in the month of July, tagged Greater Faith. And it's amazing how all of DME's um, experiences that he shared. I mean, we could literally just be picking out the lessons that we have been, you know, he sort of reiterated all the lessons we've been sharing throughout the course of this month. If you haven't been in church, please go on SoundCloud, go on YouTube and listen to the messages. But from obedience, you know, to waiting on God, hearing from God, receiving a specific word, Rema, you know, um, gleaning from the word of God and all that amazing stuff. Um, we're taking it, uh, things up a notch. So I'm not preaching this morning. I have Pastor Godman in the house. He's going to be answering questions. Yes, questions on faith. And joining me as well is Demilade. Bishop, let's do this. PG, can we have you, sir? Yes, we do. Thank you, thank you. Good morning, everyone, and it's good to be here. It's good to be here, and uh, thank you, Demi, for sharing your God experience with us this morning. Pastor Jimmy, it's good to see you. Uh, two of my favorites uh, in Hollywood. And um, if Jesus tarries, I will join you. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, uh, I know we have... Um, uh, some people in the crowd also, uh, I don't know whether uh, PI is somewhere, Pasayo is somewhere in the crowd. Uh, I want to just welcome everyone and all of our pastors in-house. Uh, thank you for the great work that you're doing here. Uh, God bless you. All right. Uh, so I'm here. Uh, this is Unplugged, right? Unplugged, yes. Yeah, we have so, conversations. Yes. So, so let's, let's do it. Uh, but before we start, let me just say this, that if you haven't gotten anything out of this month, one thing that you must get out of this month or get into the recess of your mind uh, that you can continue to go with, um, let me give you an example. First um, Corinthians 2, I think right about verse 12 or so, uh, which says that eyes have not seen. No, he has heard, no, as it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has ordained or prepared for those that love him. Yeah. Uh, I'm blessed to be a father of two uh, lovely girls, uh, my two teenagers. Uh, yesterday, yeah, Saturday morning, yesterday, I came in from Shagamu. I went to preach uh, in, in Shagamu, and I came in very early in the morning. I preached on Friday night, so... First thing, 7 a.m., I left so that I can make devotion with them at home yesterday. And part of our devotion in the morning, I don't know how we got into it, but I, I was just trying to explain to them 
that you guys, you know something. I mean, my first daughter just finished high school and now we're preparing A-levels, college and all. And it's like the least of your concern is how you're going to pay your school fees because you have a committed father. And you have an estimation of me as being capable, right? So you are looking for school, I'm looking for money. <laughs> but when it comes to thinking about the money, it's not a problem. You know, when the Bible says, eyes have not seen, not ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. The word love there, uh, the key word around it is relationship. Yeah, it's relationship. It's a connection. Uh, there's a connection with God and knowing him as my father. Jesus said when you pray, pray after this manner. The premise uh, that your prayer will, will, will hit the bull's high is that it's prayed on the premise that you're praying to our father. Our father who was in heaven. Our father. Anything short of that, you know, anything short of knowing that that relationship exists, it is vital and it is covenant-based. You know, we say that God is a covenant keeper. Uh, so he doesn't do casual relationships. Mm. You know, young people like casual relationships. Uh, you know, I know, I know the guy. I just know him in church. Or oh, I know that babe. We, we live on the same street. <laughs> or oh, oh, we, we were in Corona together. You know, all those kind of things. Oh, I, I used to know that person in Atlantic or something like that. My you know, chairman. Uh -huh. my chairman, my guy. You know, my boss, you know, we have all kinds of things we use to just, when we just want to describe uh, a relationship, you know, we just say it anyhow. But when you take that relationship beyond the casual uh, of acquaintanceship, friendship, you take it a little higher where you can confidently call God your father. There's nothing as beautiful as that because the premise for answered prayer, it's a premise that the things that he has prepared for those who love him will not elude you. So your faith should be anchored on that. Whether it's healing, whether it's material provision, open doors, you know, access, you know, your next level, whatever it is, that must be at the back of your mind. That we have a father who loves us and he wants to take us, just like the song, he wants to take us to that place where uh, we will no longer be shaking. Or even when we feel, you know, ruffled a bit, we know that we have a stabilizer in our Father. And, uh, yeah, like, you know, the like scripture says, I know him in, in whom I have believed. When you have that knowing, then your faith is anchored, you know, on, 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 on the rock of our salvation, Jesus Christ. And you know, come hell and high waters, uh, you'll pull through. Praise God. Hallelujah. I love, right. that. I love that. Please let's appreciate PG for that. Okay, so we'll get into the questions. Um, PG, have you ever had a time in your life when you seem to be going on a high? And So, I, I mean, I've known you for quite a while now, and I know you're a deep man of faith. I mean, the entire Elevation Church project is a faith project, which is why some of our centers are actually named pistis and one of the things we had said in the course of the month was pistis is the greek word for faith so have you at any time in your life um you, you seem to be going on a high and just one chance encounter brings 
you crashing down? How did you stand up after these types of crushing encounters? Um, have you had any? And this person is asking, or well, this question is speaking to um, faith-shaping events or faith-shaping seasons and specifically referencing the period or the season of the pandemic where people lost a lot of things, people lost loved ones, people lost businesses, income, sources, and all that. And it seems that that feeling, uh, you know, that ground zero has sort of persisted even till now. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, in the course of the series, we taught a message. I, you know, taught it on the online church and um, at Lekki Church on shaping events. And I remember using certain examples, my own examples of shaping events. I mean, that's the point where I, I love to stand. <laughs> when you talk about shaping events, um, I, I, I can go back to 22 years ago, 23 years ago, when a lady that I love, you know, or I used to love, or I thought I loved, I don't know the right one, you can't help me, you know. Um, so in, in college, in university, I was pastoring. And um, I pastored for maybe about four or five years in college. Uh, I studied engineering my first degree, so I was in college for five years. And I think in my fourth year or so, I got into this relationship. I used to preach in fellowship and tell people that people who up from one relationship to the other, they are serious believers. Yeah, that if God has spoken to you, God has the power to pull it through. Yeah, I didn't know that I was setting myself up. <laughs> um, so I didn't know I was setting myself up. So I got into this relationship with this beautiful young lady. Um, our full relationship year was actually our final year. We both studied five-year courses, so uh, our final year was our full relationship year. The year before, I won an award in the university as the most popular student. <laughs> so, so you can imagine when the most popular student got into a relationship. It was everybody talking about it. Yeah, it's a popular relationship. Till tomorrow, eh? I still travel to some parts of the world where I meet people who were in the same university when I was there, and they still asked me for her. <laughs> this is after 18 years of marriage. Yeah, and I've married somebody else. People who knew us together, you know. So we finished school, we went into our service year, and it was in the course of the service year, I was serving in Wari Delta State, and I came to Lagos. And those were the days of landline calling, and she lived in Festac, so I was calling, so that I wouldn't just go to Festac, and not meet her. And I just realized that nobody in their house was picking my call. That was my first signal, that something must have gone wrong. Where you used to be celebrated, where <laughs> nobody has time for you. <laughs> so I decided, and I went to Festac. Uh, I got in there and, you know, you know, trying to catch up. At the end of the day, I got the shocker that she seemed to have moved on and she wasn't interested in a relationship again. Uh, let me tell you, uh, 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 I mean, I'm not ashamed of my actions. I begged her. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I begged, I did everything. I said we should try again, you know. Um, but what I did not know was actually that she, I think she was already in another relationship. 
So uh, I'm saying this for somebody who may have had a shaping event in the, area, in the emotional area of relationship. Yeah. I know that's the one that you respond to the most. If I was sharing that I lost money now, they wouldn't be responding like this. <laughs> so uh, um, I remember leaving the, the, the house that day and felt like she, she would change her mind. Yeah. You know I'm a man of faith, you know. Yeah. But there's a difference between faith, foolishness, and presumption. Yeah. <laughs> At that point, it was either foolishness or presumption. It, there was no faith in my action. Because we said we'll give uh, like two weeks for her to reconsider. And I remember after two weeks, she called and she made me realize that it was a final thing. Final a final, it was final answer, you know. Um, and, you know, it was a bit embarrassing when I went to church. Um, we, we weren't attending the same church, but she had come with me to church a couple of times. Yeah. I was, I was a minister in Desta then, uh, and she had come to church with me a few times. And what happened was that one of the ministers told someone that I saw Pastor Godman's girlfriend with a friend of mine. And the way they were walking around and doing things, it's, so the, somebody had enough courage to come and meet me. That they said, why you weren't worried? They saw your girlfriend. <laughs> so I had to summon the courage to tell my pastor, to tell all the pastors that, the girl has left me. Yeah. It, it was my first emotional shaping experience. Yeah. You know, there are all kinds of shaping experiences. But when you talk about emotional, you know one thing about emotional shaping experiences? We need to be careful with it because sometimes it can paralyze your faith. So I had an experience, not mine, Many years ago, I think this must have been 1991 or so, yeah, about 30 years ago, where I was in the church as a young man. I was probably the youngest uh, in the church. And I got into the prayer ministry of that church. I was a member. And the head of the prayer ministry was dating someone. And the relationship didn't work out. The guy was so prominent in church had a lot of uh, influence because he was head of prayer ministry. We all respected him as a spiritual juggernaut. That lady actually lost her mind. I cannot forget that experience. Yeah. So there are shaping experiences that the devil actually targeted at you to knock you out. I remember till tomorrow, my wife will still reference it, that after that lady walked out of my life, I just met my wife while I was dating her. Yeah. So I introduced them. <laughs> my wife was just a friend in church. So my girlfriend was visiting church one day, and then I introduced her to meet my friend in church, you know, which is now my wife today. <laughs> so after she walked out of my life, I had friends in church. One day we just went out. I think uh, TFC had started then, just started. We just went to 
TFC and we're eating. And um, I felt like telling all the ladies around me about it. <laughs> so my wife was the first person I, that, we were, that I was out with after then, not that we're dating or anything, nothing like that. So I just told her straight, I said, oh, um, my girlfriend had worked out on me and blah, 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 blah. And that I think it will be safe now for me to communicate to all of you girls around me that. <laughs> so rather than saying that I am now available, what I said was that I am not interested in any relationship because I don't want anybody to break my heart and I don't want to break anybody's heart. So anything that, you know, around me will remain plain friendship and all that. Six months after that day, almost exactly six months, I started to have feelings for my wife. So I summoned the courage to go back again <laughs> and change the script. She rejected that script for 18 months. I paid for that mistake. And I'm sharing this for, to help somebody here. When you're going through shipping events, be careful how you speak. Because you may pay for it. Yeah, you may pay for it. Sometimes you are, you are lashing out at somebody that you're not supposed to lash out at you are reacting to people that can help you. Yeah. You, you know, like they say, even if you own a dog, when a dog is hurting, even the owner must be careful because that same dog that you've been feeding can bite you when the dog is in pain. So as a person of faith, when you are in pain because of a shipping event, you trusted God uh, for a job, and you lost the job or you didn't get the job. Somebody walked out of your life. Um, uh, you know, you thought God will heal you. Like my wife was sharing, I was in the second service. She preached the second service at, uh, at the business conference center. And she was talking about, as a young lady, she woke up one day and she felt a sharp pain in her tummy. And her pastor then had taught her faith and confession. And she confessed till evening of that day and the pain was still there. Until they had to take her to the hospital. And they said she had, you know, uh, 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 appendicitis, and she had to go to appendectomy, which is the, the, the uh, you know, that uh, um, remover. And she said she was on that hospital bed, and she was asking God, but I confessed the word. I did. I prayed. I did. Why? And it's at that point that you need to know that you don't know enough as you ought to know. Humility must set in when you are going through your shaping events. If not, you will misbehave and you, are, you will still pay for it. Because when I just opened my mouth and blabbed to my wife, I paid for it with 18 months of waiting. Yeah. Because what I said and what I eventually did communicated to her that I was a confused person. <laughs> and what she was hearing is beware of his confusion. Just give him time. Give him time. Thank God I waited. If not, we won't be married today. Yeah. Let me stop there. Wow. Thank you so much for that, PG. By the way, there are many other shipping events. <laughs> I was robbed once. <laughs> yeah. And when the arm robbers left, I was left with my singlet and boxers. <laughs> yeah. It was in the house. They actually packed everything. I felt like a new baby. You know, like when you came into this world with nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know when, when they say, we came into this world with nothing, that was how I felt. I didn't have any clothes. I'm serious. Yeah. 
No clothes, nothing. By the time they finished. Yeah, this was, uh, I think, year 2000 or 2001. Yeah, this was about 20 years ago. Yeah, Amrobas came. I was living with my brother. And him and his wife, they had gone to redemption camp. It was a Friday night. I was the only one at home. Yeah. And they dealt with the entire, as in, you know, it's kind of robbery where they asked for food. I gave them chicken, coke. <laughs> yeah, I was, <laughs> and they packed everything that they could pack. And don't forget, this was me. I pastored in university, uh, started pastoring in Lagos. And then I didn't even know how to call my colleagues in Daystar to tell them that I didn't have clothes to wear to church on Sunday, <laughs> on a Saturday, that everything was gone. My friend had to send clothes to me in the evening of that Saturday. So when the Bible says, count it all joy, brethren, when you fall into diverse trials and temptations, because he said, the trial of your faith works patient. He said, let's patient as a perfect work in you, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. A faith that has not been tested is not real faith. Thank you so much, PG. I, I honestly just think you've answered all the questions on here at this rate. Um, but I mean, let's, let's, let's still proceed. Um, Okay, so this question says, Jesus' disciples were young Christians of some sorts, and we saw them doing amazing miracles in their time. Jesus even said he saw Satan fall like lightning, but right now it seems like miracles, signs, and wonders are only done by big pastors with fancy titles. And even the miracles we see, sometimes they seem less than genuine. So bottom line, this person is asking for, where's the burning bush? Where's the ass that spoke to Balaam? You know, where's the Red Sea experience? Where is the dead rising up? Why can't I, as a young person, you know, do these things? We don't see young Christians doing these kinds of amazing miracles anymore. I wish that we did more of these types of signs and wonders in church. What is the reason for this? I think the reason for... Um, I slightly disagree with the person, first and foremost. A lot of miracles are still happening in the church, outside of the church, and in the life of people who challenge God by faith in different situations of life. Because the question I'll throw back to the person who wrote this question is, when was the last time you lay hands on the sick? Mm. By faith. Trusting the healer to show up because it's not about you. Because you never know what God will do until you put yourself in certain situations where he has to show up on your behalf. I mean, uh, uh, um, before I left the, the church, they played a testimony of a guy who was giving a testimony. I don't know whether I was doing Accelerate or Run of Service. They said, we're praying for the sick. And I said, uh, uh, deafness in, in a hair. And I said, put your finger there. And he said, he started hearing perfectly. And since then, he has waited. The hearing, he's still hearing perfectly. So he's just hearing the testimony today. So healings are happening. In the course of the week, I got a, 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 a testimony of a lady who said two weeks after the Accelerate Conference, she really released her faith during the Accelerate Conference. Two weeks after, she got pregnant. She has been waiting on God for 13 years. Yeah. And she's still pregnant as I speak. Yeah. So I can go on and on about testimonies of healing, of restoration, of all kinds of things that God is still doing. The only thing is that when you read through Hebrews 11, the all of fame for faith, 
you will see different categories of people in that catalog of faith people. Most of them were not preachers. Yeah, starting with Abraham or Joseph or, you know, or Moses or Noah. These weren't preachers. We are the ones that confuse things because of what we refuse to do. So, DME came to share his, his uh, God experience. He's not a preacher. But you heard him talking about him hearing God and taking instruction. My, um, yeah, Pastor Bishola references. I wasn't here. But, yeah, you don't have to be a preacher to hear from God. You don't have to be a preacher to lay hands on the sick. You don't have to be a preacher to trust God for your healing and have a testimony. You don't have to be a preacher to be an agent of restoration in somebody's life. Let me tell you where these things are coming from. It is the over, how do I put it now? Over exaltation of the certain ministry offices. Yeah. And when believers are hung up on the manner mindset, mm. when they're supposed to be looking for how to get into the promised land. Mm. You know, that. <laughs> There are what I call the wilderness miracles and there are promised land miracles. They don't look the same. In most parts of our world today, especially here in Africa and even here in Nigeria, most believers are hung up on wilderness miracles. What are wilderness miracles? Yeah, manna, water out of the rock, uh, healing, you understand? Uh Protection. Protection, uh, all that. Those are Wilderness miracles. Promised land miracles. The moment they crossed Gilga, Jordan, you know, and they stepped in there, manna ceased. It was a land flowing with milk and honey, but you had to cultivate it. Yes, sir. So the kind of miracles, real miracles. I was taking a prayer walk last night around midnight, and the Holy Spirit said, look up. And I looked up, and I saw something that looked like uh, an aircraft, but I think it was a star, hanging there. You know, and he said, last week or so, I mean, uh, Bezos went to space. So so what kind of faith does it require to believe, just like the Wright brothers, Oville and Wilbur, uh, believe that man can fly? Mm. Because you, you guys, you don't know, jumping on the plane to go to London or Los Angeles or anywhere in the world, and you're going to be suspended in the sky. For hours upon hours. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a breakthrough. It's a lot of faith. It's a lot of, you know, those, those are promised land miracles. Innovation and creativity. Solution. You understand? You know, it's one level to lay hands on the sick and they recover. It's another level to create a solution that will not make you sick again. Or that can heal millions of people at the same time. Yeah. So when we get hung up on wilderness miracles and we think that's the only sign of divine presence, no, it's much more than that. And you see, the, 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 it looks to me like the, the promised land miracles are actually the main inheritance of the yes, children of God. Absolutely. That one is beyond the pulpit. Yeah. It is what you manifest outside of the church as you till your ground as you stay in the area of your own calling. 
I hope you understand what I'm talking about. As much as I love to be able to pray for somebody with cancer and cancer will dry up, I prefer something that will either eradicate or heal cancer in millions. And we're still researching for it. When you get that, can I tell you the truth? You're more powerful than the person who lays hands on the sick and you recover. Yeah, that's the truth. And pastors are not going to do that. We will just pray. <laughs> so the real miracles are out there and it's for you. It's for you. It's for you. It's for all of us. So we start with the wilderness miracles then we'll move to the promised land miracles. And that one is not an exclusive preserve of any priest, any pastor, any prophet. It's for all of us. And that's what God is waiting for. for that was how Joseph lived. Let me say that and I take my seat. Joseph was not a pastor. But the greatest kingdom of the day was Egypt. All right? Joseph was called to come to Pharaoh. Pharaoh had a dream. He could not resolve it. Joseph, with the power of God, he said, I'm going to do this by the Spirit. Yeah. It's God is God of revelation. And he interpreted the dream. And gave solution. And then Egypt became the center of the center of everything. Now, think about this. We call God the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the next person we should have is Joseph. But in those days, Jacob was stranded. Despite the covenant. And all his 11, the entire family, they were stranded. They were actually going to die of hunger. The person that had a solution was in Egypt. Yeah. This is the point I'm trying to make. Whatever happened to us that makes us feel like we cannot be sought after or we cannot walk by faith to the point that we bring every solutions is, is reducing the efficacy of our faith. Yeah. Joseph was in Egypt, but he was still the only person that could solve the problem. If Joseph were to be at home, perhaps... Just, uh, Joseph would have been able to tell them because what they did in Egypt, they could have done in Canaan. Seven years of plenty, they squandered it in Canaan because there was nobody there to give them the strategy on how to prepare for the seven years of, of famine. So seven years of famine came and it was going to wipe out Canaan. And they had to go to Egypt. So everybody now relocated to Egypt. Where God's people were actually. Where, where, Canaan was where. Yeah, Canaan was where God was supposed to be. There was a lot of where, light there. Yes. Just like some people are relocating from Nigeria. Now God is in Nigeria. <laughs> yes, but you are going somewhere else because the solution seems to be somewhere else. Which is why I know that uh, people should go for survival, but they will still come back. Because Israel spent 400 years in Egypt, but they still kept, went back. Yeah, yeah, they still went back. So, uh, um, God is waiting for you, he's waiting for you, he's waiting for you, he's waiting for everybody to align ourselves in the areas of our calling. It has nothing to do with the priestly office. We are kings and priests in the New Testament, all of us. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Fantastic. 
Dimladin, your question. Um, so just move on to the next question. Uh, this question says, I've been a Christian for a while, and I'm trying to teach my new friends how to love and serve God. But some conversations have been coming up recently, and I realize that there are a lot of things we do out of routine, not as a deliberate act of faith. Like, for instance, why do we need to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning to pray? Or read my Bible in the morning before I do anything else? Uh, if prayer is a conversation with God, why can't I do it all through the day? Why are these routines our parents and our pastors imposed on us so important? So I think the general thought is um, there are a lot of things that we do just out of routine, and it loses that lifestyle of faith um, essence inside of it. And so I guess there are, she, this person is asking, how do I keep that faith alive in every single thing I do where I'm not doing things out of routine anymore? Um, can I say the truth? The truth is that there's power in routines until it becomes an idol. Yeah. The routine starts to leave, I mean, starts to lose its power when you feel, when you are no longer flexible. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's a message translation of a particular verse that talks about the rhythm of grace. The enforced rhythm of grace. You know, so there's a point I get to where I still need to be uh, flexible enough to the seasons of my life, to the priorities of my life, where old routines may be standing in the way and they may have served their purpose at some point. Mm. I need to create new ones. As human beings, we're creatures of habits. Anything that you want to get result with, you need to turn them to habit so that you, you, you are not going against the grain often. Can I, can I explain what I mean? This is what I mean. Um, eating is very important to your daily life. If you refuse to eat, you're going to lose energy. You're going to start to, you, you understand what I'm saying? You won't be able to function, except when you're fasting, and it's just for a period. Now, most of us have our routines or habits when it comes to eating. When you sit with nutritionists, they will tell you not to eat capriciously. They will tell you to follow certain routines in your eating habit and eat certain things. Now, it pays you to turn that advice to your habit so that you don't have to premeditate it again. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. It's something that you just do by default. Anything that will move your life forward it is in your best interest to turn them to your habit. Then you don't struggle again. So that was where we started from in Christianity by saying that certain spiritual disciplines must become habitual or routinous. So the spiritual discipline of prayer, of studying the word, you know, those things must become habitual for a believer that wants to grow. Uh, as newborn babes, 1 Peter 2 and 2 says, uh, desire the sincere milk of the world, that you may grow. So the same way I set up a routine to feed my body, I need to set up a routine to feed my spirit. Yes, but when it's looking like it's now a religious exercise, I then need to talk to myself. If the morning time doesn't work for me, because I'm not a morning person, uh, maybe a kind of person that if you don't, if you have your way, you will not wake up until 9 a.m. You understand? Mm. And it does not mean that you are lazy. It's just the way you are wired. 
because they're two different things. It's just, it's just that some people take advantage of this is how I'm wired until <laughs> they mess up their lives. You understand what I'm saying? Because in life, sometimes, not, notwithstanding how you are wired, a sense of discipline wants to, you to change something. So except that routine is working against all those things, build the routine. Tell yourself this is not a religious exercise. When I wake up at 5 a.m. to pray, I'm actually praying to a real God or real Father because I want real grace, real impact, real mercy, and real favor. Yeah. And if 5 a.m. doesn't work for you, change it to 7. If money doesn't work for you, pray at 10 p.m. for 30 minutes before you go to bed so that you wake up in the morning and you hit the, the road. So there are no out and fast route to this. This is not religion. These are routines and spiritual disciplines that must be part of your life. Determine when it's going to happen and follow through with it, but keep a rhythm. Life becomes easier when there's a rhythm of grace that I follow from time to time. Yeah. Thank you very much, PG. Uh, let's take the question. We'll take two more questions now because I would like for PG to pray with us before he leaves. So let's take the question on denial and then I'll take the last question. Right. Delay, sorry. Delay. So this person says, um, delay is a part of the building process when you're walking in faith. And we know that. But seeing people have to wait for years <laughs> for God's promise to come true in their lives. And, and then the person says, Nigeria, um, you know, it's hard to understand. So how do we deal with unanswered prayers or delays that just seem to go on forever? When you think about certain topical issues in your life, please, I beg of you, to always consider biblical characters. And if you really want to live out your Christian life, then do a character study of the scriptures around that particular subject matter. So when you're talking about delay, the first person that should come to your mind is Abraham. Yeah. Abraham. And we call him the father of faith. And what qualified him for being called the father of faith was actually the delayed experience of having to wait for God until he got Isaac. And I remember, yes, I mean, last Sunday I was, I was teaching about why faith fails, and one of the things we're talking about was uh, plan B and alternatives and options, mm. and how Abraham got into that, and even for the mercy of God, he, he, he would have uh, messed up what God had in mind. Let me tell you something. Whenever there are, there, are, there are two ways, primarily speaking, that delay comes. One, it can be, let me not say two, more than two, but I'll mention it quickly. One, it can be an attack from the devil. Yeah. To just frustrate you. So you need to know and speak against that. There is another way which is that God allowed it to build your faith. And when we say to build your faith, is to uh, strengthen your power of resolve to trust him. Yeah. And lastly, sometimes it's just that God is waiting for you to grow up. Yeah. Galatians 4 and verse 1, it says, an heir does not differ from a servant. 
I mean, though it's the heir of all things, but it says until, I mean, the time appointed of the father, that's, I mean, and what that is talking about, simply put, is this. So, when that scripture was written, it was talking about the culture of the Jews, which is when somebody is living an inheritance for his words and going, you'll say maybe at 18 or 21 or 30, I expect, you know, in the Jewish culture, they do something they call the bar mitzvah. Yeah. Uh, where, which is the positioning of a son, where uh, somebody is now recognized as a full heir to this estate. Mm. And then there's a celebration of the Bar Mitzvah, which was like what happened at the River Jordan. That was crisis, uh, Jesus Christ's Bar Mitzvah. When uh, um, uh, John the Baptist baptized him at Jordan, and when he came out, the Bible says there was a voice from heaven which says, this is my beloved son, hear him. When Bar Mitzvah is done amongst the Jews, what the, the, the owner of the estate, the father is saying is, look, this is my son or my daughter, and uh, now I'm approving and presenting my son. He can now sign my check on my behalf. He can transact business on my behalf. And everything that I hold, he owns it. Do you get what I'm saying? That was why God had to do that for Jesus as his father. To say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. Transact business with him. Sign contracts with him. When there's a gap, notwithstanding your age, between your level of emotional maturity, you know, social maturity, spiritual maturity, and all the works, Sometimes God will allow certain things to be held up for you to grow. So don't waste your waiting period. It's for growth, it's for divine alignment, it's for understanding and all those things. But like I said, when you read the story of Daniel, uh, in the book of Daniel, for instance, you know, Daniel prayed, uh, I think it's Daniel 10 and 13 or so, where he talked about uh, the prince of Persia with two, the angel that was bringing the answer. Yeah. And 21 days, there was a delay. It was a short delay. But you know, when you are expecting visa to go and resume school, 21 days is not short. <laughs> because it may mean that you may not be able to start this year. Yes, sir. I, don't, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. When they have given you August 15 as a assumption date, and they say you have a moratorium of one week, and if you cannot resume within that one week, we can't take you again. And you have to really release your faith for the American or British embassy to really release this visa. Then 21 days, uh, we'll kill that, that, that angel or whoever is, you know. That's what I'm talking about. There's a time where you have to, you know, bombard the heavens. Yeah. And keep going to say, look, we have to break this delay. There's another time that the delay is not of that shade. It's the one that God is working patience in you and causing you and perfect word and causing you to trust him deeply and to seek him more and to understand the things that you need to understand and to grow and for your faith to be tried like it has been put in a furnace 
And the Bible says, uh, it compares it with gold. And it said, for you to get pure gold, it has to go through the furnace for purification. So, those are the different shades of delay. And my prayer today is that God will give you understanding. So that when you experience any kind of delay, you know whether this one, an enemy has done this. And let us break the hand of the enemy. Or this one is just God saying, walk with me. And don't come into funny alternatives like Abraham did. Because God will still reject Ishmael and says, Isaac is the one I'm going to bless. And if you've gone on the route of Ishmael, I will still take you back to Isaac. Yeah. So somebody today, the question you should ask yourself is, do I want Ishmael boyfriend or Isaac boyfriend? Yeah. Do I want Ishmael relationship or Isaac relationship? Because you get to some point, the devil wants to frustrate you and let you feel like, which one is Ishmael and Isaac? Uh, boyfriend is boyfriend or girlfriend is girlfriend. Let me just give, get one. I mean, all, all my guys have gone. You know, it's only me. You know, and, mm, 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 mm. In this day and age, we still have Ishmael relationship and Isaac relationship. One that is done out of faith with a lot of compromise. Yeah, a lot of compromise embedded in it. Because the process is important. The process of getting Ishmael. Abraham had to take a maid that he was not married to. Yeah. Though his wife agreed to it, but it did not mean that they were married. You know? <laughs> and uh, all, all those kind, And God never said, I can't do what I promised you. Let's go through this route. No. It was a suggestion of a human being. Yeah. Not the pro- it was coming from a heart that just wants something now, 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 now. Because Sarah said, look, we can't continue to wait. Seeing that, and then Sarah also blamed God. Seeing that God has shut my womb. God, did not, God didn't say I've shut your womb. No. When we get disgruntled with God, the devil presents alternatives. Be careful that you don't get disgruntled with God because the fruit that will come out of it uh, may be very painful. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Please let's put our hands together and appreciate PG. And I'll just take the very last question. Okay, and it's interesting that you wrap up on your relationship notes, Isaac and Ishmael, because this, re- this question is completely out of... It's not, uh, it's not a faith-related question, but... It's important. It says, my mom thinks I'm too picky when it comes to guys. I think she wasn't picky enough, but that's a conversation for another day. Is it okay? I mean, this person that, came... That, that's a shade on, on way, As in... Okay. <laughs> this person came, came for blood. Is it okay to not want to marry? Because the Christian guys you see around seem not to be okay. I'm talking uncultured, ill-mannered, and a new crop who seem to ultimately want to live off a woman's money. A new law of irresponsibility. And you just want to save your unborn children from the pain of an irresponsible father at the detriment of an unhappy mom and a somewhat disappointed God who may want to use your marriage as a platform for his glory. <laughs> In summary, is it okay to not want to marry? <laughs> <sighs> 
Well, first and foremost, let me say that um, the person that wrote this question, uh, first of all, want to say that you're a good writer. Yeah. Let, let's give it to her. I mean, she, she knows how to construct stuff. Yeah. You have a gift, so maybe you should explore that gift in a more constructive way. <laughs> but that's a good gift because of the way the question was constructed and the different touch points. Yeah, it's almost like a skit. Uh, writing for a skit. <laughs> uh, so, but this is what I want to say. You know, in life, what the scripture says, uh, uh, Proverbs uh, 4 and 23, where it says, guard your heart with all diligence. Say, for out of it flows the issues of life. One translation says, guard your heart very well because it affects everything you do. Reading this question, the first thing that comes to my mind, whether this person is speaking for herself or speaking for a constituency, the first thing that comes to my mind is that um, that heart sounded like a heart that is already frustrated with the word of God and God. And a heart like that will be open to a lot of suggestions in the way, I mean, in the name of being open. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? In the, in the, in the way of being, just being Open. You know, these days, uh, the first footing, I mean, when we're trying to get our footing in Christ and in our faith, the first uh, way we get open to attack is when, in the bid to be open, we are too open. Young people today want to be open to many things. So I'm a Christian, but I'm open to this, I'm open to that. I want to try out that. You know, I want to explore the faith a bit more. I don't want to be like my parents. They're too traditional in their approach uh, to, to Christianity and they're too rigid. I just want to be able to explore here and there, here and there. But you know the truth? Um, if you know, you know. For a child, exploration can be, can be fatal. Yeah. We all see on social media how you see a child that is a black child, but is all white from head to toe because of powder. You've seen those ones before. Because they're exploring the house, and they just carry something, just pour it on themselves. If a parent will not show up early, that child can have a fatal experience. Yeah. yeah. We've had children who pour acid on themselves, not knowing it's acid. Some people have drunk things you know, that they should not drink. So when you start to become open, without giving yourself the boundary of scriptural principles in your openness. So when we talk about the area of relationship and marriage, please understand, you should be open-minded, but open within the circumference of the confines of the word of God. Yeah. And how do I mean? I know that there are guys today who want to literally prey on women and, you know, I mean, to get stuff from them and all that. Uh, the guys who are not responsible, that, you know, all that thing that you have written. But there are still so many guys that are responsible. Yeah. I personally mentor men. I'm starting a mentoring fellowship, um, like a three to six month thing for guys under 40. I think it would be announced sometimes this month. 
and I'm just spreading my net wide. Can I help you prepare for your 40s? That's what I'm doing with some guys, maybe 35 and above, some already married or one or two that may not be married. Can I just help you prepare for your 40s? Because I'm in my late 40s now, and I've seen that there's a way to prepare for your 40s because the 40s are very critical yeah, to the success of your family. And I'm outlining a few things you know, in that regard. So guys need help. Most guys are not prepared for leadership. And sometimes it's not even their fault. Maybe it's the fault of the parents. So please approach the issue of irresponsibility in guys with a bit of compassion and empathy. Sometimes ladies help guys to mature. And I believe it's a responsibility that we, or commitment that we should all make as a church and not to write a narrative about the Christian brothers that will not be progressive. Because it's not in our best interest as the church to, you know, to just, how do I put it? To use one brush to paint all the brothers and not feel like there's something we can do to help. You know the brothers can do the same? Because somebody can write the same kind of question and we flip it. And we say all the ladies in church are irresponsible they are not doing this, they are not doing that, they are all gold diggers, you know, they are big girls of a, uh, small girls of a big God, you know, and all those kind of things. <laughs> we, can, we, can, we can say all that. It's not going to lead us anywhere, that's what I'm saying. But having said that, when it comes to being choosy, the, the, the word is not choosy, the word is knowing what you want. And knowing it as a matter of God's will for your life, not a matter of ambition. Yeah. There's a difference between ambition and a God-given vision. If you meet Joseph in heaven, Joseph the dreamer, ask him. He will tell you, I didn't force myself to dream. God put a dream in my heart, and it's a dream of greatness. I saw my sheep standing, and those of my brothers lying down. I saw, you know, all that, and I just couldn't get it off my mind. And it tells me that there's something great about me. And sometimes you get yourself in that kind of situation. You hold nobody, no apology. All you need is to nurture your dreams, know what you want, wait for it. And you'll see the manifestation of it. So it may be in a relational arena that I have a dream of greatness, a great home, a great guy to be married to, or, you know, a, a great lady to marry, and we're going to do life together and breed greatness. One thing that you must have at the back of your mind is this. Greatness will not always look like it at the beginning. So when it's a dream from God, you will not be driven by ambition. You will not feel like, except somebody looks great right now, I can't go with this person. Because there are indices for greatness that are not physical. Yeah. That are not physical. And that you need to train yourself to align with. So when I see somebody who has capacity to trust God, when I see somebody whose word is his bond, when I see somebody with empathy and compassion, when I see somebody who knows how to cultivate great relationships, and live a life of contribution. 
Those things may not earn him money right now. But I can say these are indices for greatness. As uh, the Bible says, <laughs> as, as long as the heart remains, seed time and harvest will not cease. If somebody lives like that, there's no way the person will not be great. Because, you know, I told you the story earlier. When I started dating my wife, I didn't have anything. Yeah. I didn't look like it. You know, I told you I was robbed. <laughs> I wasn't dating her then. It was after then. So I was like an infant in terms of uh, acquisition. Because all that I had went with that robbery. <laughs> you know, so I'm just saying that for you to understand. Even when you meet people, you don't know where they're coming from. Somebody may have suffered a setback. If you read them based on just where they are right now, you may be missing out on something. So we need to be careful. We need to keep an open mind, but at the same time, not to the point where this openness has taken us far from the confines of God's word and the principles that we must be open to. And we also need to be careful about narratives. So whenever you hear something that has become a popular narrative, whether on social media or anything, please make up your mind. I'm going to hone my own truth based on the word of God. Yeah, I'm going to hone my truth based on the word of God because there's a difference between the facts and the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except by me. The facts are the realities on ground. The truth is a person, and it's encapsulated in this word. And the Bible says that word can become flesh, or from intangible to tangible, when I believe the truth. What is written, this is how I love to say it, what is written is superior to what is happening. When you see narratives, tell yourself, if I go by what is written, I will get a different result. Amen. Even if they say all the men out there are unfaithful, they're useless, what is written is that God will bless me with my own mate that is suitable for me the way he did for Adam. It's not good that man should be alone. I will give him a helper that is suitable and comparable to him. And I can stand on that. None shall lack their mate. I can stand on that. I don't care what they're saying on Instagram, but this is my whole truth. That is fact, but this is my truth. And I live by that, and that's how to live by faith. Because faith is only premised on the word of God, whether written or spoken. What God has told you and what you have seen in the word of God, the efficacy of faith is the seed of God's word. It's not popular culture or what is trending. Praise God. Hallelujah. Please, let's put our hands together for Pudu. Pudu, we have you. All right, let's rise up on our faith, everyone. Praise God. Lift your two hands to Jesus today. Can I have somebody on the keyboard, please? Glory be to Jesus. Father, we thank you. Why don't you lift your hands to him and just bless him? Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for your grace. 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 Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.